had bought like a frozen uh, princess torta, mm -hmm. like a cake, and there were no plates. Okay. Because they didn't have sufficient uh, number of uh, plates. Mm -hmm. So we took from the cardboard uh, of the wrapping uh, of the cake <laughs> and you could have a piece and it was like uh, really difficult. And I, I was thinking, am I going to work here? Welcome back to Deep Tech Stories, a podcast making creators, entrepreneurs and idealists in the deep tech space accessible by highlighting their stories and pulling their ideas from the lab into the real world. On the show today for a second time, Karin Ebbinghaus on how she ended up at Elon Road building electrical roads. For some people, the entrepreneurial path seems like the most obvious choice. Others fall into it after a long time of trying out other things. Other people, again, actually never really start a company, but have so much operational talent and domain knowledge that they've learned throughout their career that they still end up as the spearhead of a company. Karin Ebbinghaus is one of those last people. For the majority of her career, she worked in the legal field, becoming an expert in mergers and acquisitions. To later leverage that knowledge as an investment manager at a green tech fund. And this is where she eventually came across Elon Road. Yes, I was working as a, at a, as an investment manager for Alma Invest Green Tech, which is a specific green tech fund only scouting for CO2 reducing innovations. And to some extent, that was the greatest job ever, just to be able to meet entrepreneurs who are focused on solving these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, it could be everything from saving water, new raw materials, uh, yeah, anything, uh, graphene. And for me, uh, just being able to a bit dive into certain areas, I find that very uh, rewarding that, you, okay, I don't know anything about graphene, for example. But then you study it, you study the market potential, you talk to different uh, stakeholders, mm -hmm. you, then you, in a very short period of time, you get quite a lot of knowledge when you analyze the market. Yeah. It's fun. Like when you, when you have a blank piece of paper and then you just fill it, it it's very, I, I, I think having a steep learning curve, it's very rewarding. Do you have any, any process for that? Or you just start with a blank paper and then type into Google, whatever you want, or, cause for me, it is like this, this overwhelming process of figuring out the market. I know it, it is like, uh, at first instance, it's like how will I ever do that? But then again, if you start doing, if you start reading something, you talk to some people, you get the next lead. It, yeah. I guess it's a bit like being a journalist or mm -hmm. a reporter. You just dig into things and you try to find uh, who's leading in this area and you start talking to them and you, yeah, you, you take it from there. No. But then I met with this company and I completely fell in love <laughs> with the idea and also the concept of uh, being part of a, a team on a mission. It is very rewarding yeah. uh, because um, I know as a researcher, it's it could be also quite lonely because you do your job and you can get input and discuss ideas, but it's at the end of the day, it's you who yeah. writes and make all the decisions. And I realized that for me, I get my best ideas if I'm in a group. So yes. uh, I really enjoy the group dynamics 
and uh, it gives me energy. Uh, so being an investor or a researcher or a lawyer for that matter, it's quite lonely because in the end of the day, you have to make the decisions. But right. here it's more like a, a group thing and yeah. that suits me better. Yeah, because either way, on the one hand, you might get stuck in an idea and then you can just bounce it off with people and yeah. they tend to have other ideas and other ways of thinking because they, they're not you, essentially. Um, and on the other hand, you can just come up with better stuff if you have more people. I think so. And, and uh, I mean, ideas are for me, but people, some people, they get their energy and ideas from thinking by themselves. Mm -hmm. I get it when I talk to people, then I sort of <laughs> discover, <laughs> I mean, quite often, if you have a problem and you go and describe that problem to someone, it, you can al almost hear the solution as you describe the problem. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's, it's uh, formulating things that gets you further. Yeah, it's the little eureka moment in, in the shower or talking to someone, you just stop talking suddenly and stare into the distance and then yeah. you might get the solution. <laughs> so that's why I, I joined the team. Yeah. Then it's been, uh, yeah, almost uh, two years at the, I think I started here on like the 15th of February, so almost two years now. Did you have any expectations for you for your first day when you came here or, <laughs> or what was the first day like? Well, it was a bit, uh, I, can, I, I can tell you that first time I came here and I was introduced to the team as here is the new CEO. They, it was Friday Fika, mm -hmm. it's a typical Swedish thing. Yes, yeah, three o'clock. Yeah. do it as well. Yeah. At three as well. So. Yes, <laughs> it's a very typical. Uh, and uh, they had bought like a frozen uh, princess torta, mm -hmm. like a cake and there were no plates okay because they didn't have sufficient uh, number of uh, plates mm -hmm. so we took from the cardboard uh, of the wrapping uh, of the cake <laughs> and you could have a piece and it was like uh, really difficult and I, I was thinking am i gonna work here so the first week i was actually going to ikea to buy some new uh some new plates. Yes, new plates <laughs> and cups and uh, made it. Um, no offense to you engineers, but uh, the engineers who were here were not so focused on making it cozy and uh, a nice working environment. So yeah, that was my first uh, mission to make it more like a real office or real working place. Yeah, but it, it is uh, small things that you learn, and then of course just getting to know people and where we at and where to start to. It's it's again. For some people, uh, having this blank sheet is very stressful and I, I find it stressful as well, but it also triggers me. Mm -hmm. So what could be basically. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know if, because uh, I think Dan founded a company initially. Yes. yes. He's still here. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so he basically opened the door for me today. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, did he invite you to join or what, do you know what the process was back then? Yes. No, but uh, they were uh, they were looking for a person who could help them, I guess, more commercially. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a, a mutual friend uh, who was talking to me about this. And, and uh, I was just saying, uh, I was thinking they would never ask me because I have this job. And I said, well, if you don't find anyone else, why don't take me? Mm -hmm. And he just looked at me and said, that's a great idea. I will say that to Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. And Dan went. Yeah, that's not too bad. And uh, then uh, joining, I said that um, if I join, I want there to be the. You <laughs> have to be placed. And I also want to be the CEO because I'm do, I will do all the hard work of getting money and being uh, very sort of driving this. Yeah. 
and uh, in my career I always been one step behind the men and they take credit for my work and I don't want that anymore <laughs> so uh, and then reflected uh, not about men but about uh, what he was important for him and he just realized being the CEO or, or the title is not important mm -hmm. uh, he's he's his interest is in inventing things and finding the solutions and no really interest of, of titles. So he said, okay, I've been the CEO for five years. Now it's your turn. Yep. The, the best persons are the one that has some kind of self insight. Yeah, <laughs> some self insights yeah. where your strengths are, where your interests are and are not so dependent on. But of course, I also knew that the CEO title would give me a platform to talk to other CEOs. Mm -hmm. So it does matter what title you have, uh, unfortunately, especially in yeah. Germany. Yes, especially in Germany, we are very traditional and conservative, <laughs> much to my own dismay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it's different in different, uh, even in Denmark, I used to work for a Danish company. And if, if I was asking uh, um, information from another division, they wouldn't reply to me because I wasn't a VP. So they would only, if I asked another VP, mm. they could only reply to a VP in my division. We don't like that here. We, I mean, uh, it's more what you do rather than what you have as a, but it's the same with, um, if you have a, a more blended, uh, group of people who are reviewing, you will also get the more blended result. Yes. Um, so obviously when you ask questions, uh, go for, to, to bounce those ideas. If you go to people who are very similar to you, you will get the yeah. result that you expect. But if you go to someone who's different and think differently, you will get another. And, and sometimes that is painful. Uh, and sometimes you just want confirmations of your own idea. So it is, um, and when you look at, for example, uh, investments, uh, I think that is it one or 2% of all capital goes to female founders. But again, most investment people are men. So mm. they just, and when I was a lawyer, uh, I know that a lot of my male colleagues were saying that um, female lawyers just make a, such an insecure impression. They they say, I think it's like this instead of it is like this. Uh, and I was always saying, but then you just have to listen better. Because if a, if a woman say, I think it's like this, it means that she's 100% certain. She yeah. has checked all the sources and made all researches, but it's not really comfortable for her to say, this is the way. Yeah. Uh, is it wrong with the messenger or the one who's listened? Mm -hmm. So you can, you can listen in different ways also. It's not only women who needs to be more affirmative or pushy. It's, it's, it's two way communication. Yes. I think it's changing and, and that's excellent. Yes. And I'll also hopefully it's both, uh, we need diversity in gender, um, background, age. I think just blended teams in different aspects are better. I, um, I realize I'm getting rather old now, but I prefer to talk to both people that are 20 years younger than me, but also 20 years older than me. I've never really understood why you are stuck with your own generation. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a good body of, of research for diversity. Yeah. Because it just brings everything together yeah. better. And that is what we need here. And, and I guess that in our team, um, we're starting to get quite diverse 
because we are doing something also that has not really been done before. Mm -hmm. So then we need to have different, we cannot do it traditionally because there is no tradition. So uh, having uh, this team with really different backgrounds. I mean, our founder who was working within television and film, <laughs> he doesn't come from the really traditional engineering. It, so our ideas is, is more driven from what we want to achieve as end result rather than what technology we have. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with uh, working visas then? Because I know in, in Germany it's a massive hassle to get anyone outside of the EU, EU into a company. Um, but I guess if you hire from across the world or... Yes, or so I mean there are work permits we can get and where there's obviously agencies to help you with that. But of course it's, a, it's more difficult to get people outside of EU than yeah. within EU. And, and that is an excellent thing with EU, I think, that we should not really, we have taken it for granted the last 20 years and that we grew up that you have this freedom of movement. Mm -hmm. But look what happens to the UK now. Yeah. Their loss. <laughs> I mean, it will be a, a loss of talent. You will not be so attractive as an employer if you cannot freely move between the countries. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I think that's something that we should. But of course, uh, we would need much more talent. Uh, of some reason, power electronics has not really been so big here in Sweden uh, for the last years. Um, so we need more talented people in that space. Yeah. Yeah, it depends always on the, or I know that for the, the experts, friends living here, some would want to stay, some would want to leave, but then the biggest argument against leaving is always the uh, the parental leave regulations. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just so nice and comfortable compared to anywhere else. I mean, we do have high taxes in Sweden, uh, it's, but it's not that high. No, actually. but I think that I would, but you know better, but I would say that we have quite a good uh, life quality here. Yes. I think the thing is everything that you pay in taxes here, there's everything included. Even if taxes may be higher here, it's more comfortable. Yeah. Because it's always not this. The German tax agency assumes you are a criminal at yeah. any given point in time. <laughs> and will treat yeah. you that way. Yeah. Whereas the Swedish one just gives you your tax return. And unless you have property or investment or anything, you just say, yeah, oh, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. They assume that you will. I mean, I would say that we have a very high trust towards authorities yeah. here. Yeah. And that has worked well. Uh, and, and I guess that uh, one of the reasons I was reading this book uh, about Sweden um, in the 18, late 1860s, it was a great famine and some really hard years. And mm -hmm. Sweden was the one of the most poor countries in the world or in the, at least the Western world. Uh, and 25% of the population moved to America. Mm -hmm. Okay, that explains uh, Minnesota and everything else. Yes, <laughs> because it was so poor here yeah. in Sweden. A lot has happened since then, yes. of course. And I think that we were forced because of being so ridiculously poor um, to really be very practical and rational. So if there's a solution that works well, we will adopt. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't have so much legacy from uh, church or tradition or like family ties. We are very rational yeah. in our way to approach things. Uh, and I think that that could also be a good thing now when we should address the climate uh, crisis. We need to be very rational yeah. and uh, not so 
in love or you know being um, engaged in how we have traditionally done things because we just need to adopt new things yeah speaking of the the trust and authority how do you convince government or the government officials to put your your rails into a street (laughs) (laughs) in the end they have to basically organize everything of course uh so if if there were not the political will and uh, interest from the government to do these things of course as a company we wouldn't be where we are Mm -hmm. um so dan got the idea and they they worked together with the university but at the same time the swedish transport administration were doing different pilots at looking into new things of uh solving uh CO2 emissions from road transportation and they put out a tender for a pilot and uh, it was Don and the team together with other consortium members who did win it and I guess we had good answers and a good technology (laughs) (laughs) and now there is a a procurement out for a a new road and, and of course we have to show that our technology is gives more value for money. So of course it's uh, we cannot convince them, but uh, hopefully our technology can convince yeah. them. <laughs> and then there's the, the the official side of entering those competitions. Um, but for example, the the mine that reached out to even that has yes. now, did you go to them or did they come to you or? Uh, actually, I think they were looking for technologies and found us, yeah. uh, and uh, that has happened before. That, as I said, they are they want to companies want to go electric but there are some restrictions and charging is one of them so they are scouting for new solutions so they are just trying the the technology to see if it fits mm-hmm. uh, in, in a very early stage uh, but we are talking to other industrial applications such as ports uh, which is a very good user case for our solution where you have because then you have a restricted area and yeah. you have full control over the vehicles and you want to have as high productivity as possible yeah um so we are now talking to some different because we are in the early stage so we want to be very honest of where we are uh, and what we can provide and uh, uh, looking for partnerships to develop the technology to a full commercial phase yeah i mean that reports with autonomous vehicle would be yeah, yeah. The I mean, dream essentially. <laughs> even I mean, if you have uh, any, I would say autonomous application. So yeah. if you remove the driver, why should you remove? Why should you have time standing still charging? Or no. worse, having a person putting in a cord. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> if you have like a vacuuming robot at home and you just still need to charge it itself by yeah. putting the plug in. True that, yeah. but it, it is a bit like, you know, in, in the morn lowing, you have that robot and it goes and it docks itself and then it goes back in morning. Yeah. And that works well if you just need the robot to do the uh, land mowing for some time. But if you want it to operate 24 seven, when is the time to, to charge? Um, you hinted before that, I mean, you, if you go, if someone goes to your LinkedIn profile and goes to the previous experience of so, there's a lot of scrolling involved, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but majorly it was the the law and the link layers yeah. and the uh, Almi Invest. Yeah. Obviously, through the Almi Invest, you you came here and you have this massive market knowledge and you know how yeah. to analyze things. How has the law experience shaped everything? Because there's a lot of talking, I guess, and 
Yes, game, but I, I was uh, my area of expertise were uh, mergers and acquisitions, mm -hmm. so buying and selling companies, uh, helping companies to get funding uh, and uh, different corporate law issues. So that was my area of expertise, and mm -hmm. that is very useful <laughs> now as well. <laughs> the funding, I guess. Funding, but also drafting contracts, negotiating. No. Uh, I, I, I've done like a thousand or more due diligence on companies looking and it is a bit like you don't know anything about this company or market no. and then you start investigating so for me that i guess that's a red thread through my career that i this deep learning curve about different things mm -hmm. and you get that um satisfied no. uh, so i like that um of course you had a, another method when you did the legal due diligence and it was perhaps more structured than when no. you go. Um, but uh, I guess I know what we need to provide for an investor or something to be interesting. It's a bit cheeky already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from the opposite side, knowing how to hack them essentially. Yes. <laughs> no, but uh, of course, again, it's about communication, uh, creating trust, uh, giving inform giving certainty. And if you can answer some questions in a way that people are willing to listen, you will get through quicker. Yeah. Do you have any, any sort of uh, cheat sheet for anyone out there maybe on how to <laughs> convince the investor properly? Well, I would say that it's uh, it's both of the very difficult quest, uh, difficult task of talking and listening. Yeah. So, because you want to present the uh, fantastic uniqueness of your solution, but you also need to be um, observant of what they want to hear more about and uh, what are their interests. And and some some investors and funds they look for certain things, and then mm. you need to know what triggers them and another fund will uh, will be interested or intrigued by another thing so it's really to find out actually what they are looking for and there, there's a formula of investment as well yep. so um getting that but obviously if you get and that was for me as investor as well if you fall in love with a, a person or technology that will overrule no the right uh, so it's it's getting people intrigued about why you do things and how you will go about doing it yeah and hopefully not sending out just the same email at the same time to 20 different people and only changing the, in the best case, yes. changing the name. No, <laughs> you could do that also, but it's, it's, uh, it's always good with a catchphrase that attracts people. But it's also, I would say sometimes it, it could be, you don't have to pretend that you know everything. It could also be very open, like uh, I've read about your fund or your investment thesis. Uh, I would really like to know if our case would suit you. Would you yeah. be, would it be possible to take a quick chat? Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you don't really have to be that my technology is best. Uh, so you should, uh, you yeah, should, uh, yeah. it's, it's the super salesy no it's you can be quite i, I would say honest and uh, and so the the way you contact people is really dependent on your own personality yeah that's good to hear because mm. often enough you just when one learns something about it you often feel like okay you have to be this completely over the top uh, pitchy style yeah. and just it makes the most people uncomfortable yeah. because yeah. It's just it feels so unnatural and over yeah. the top I find it more, more, I mean, the more genuine and uh, authentic you can be, the, the more, more interesting yeah. you yes. will be. Yeah. But 
like for this, I love talking to people. It's really nice to talk here, but I hate talking in front of people. I get so nervous if I get on a stage or I'm doing like a, even in, on Teams pitch, I know that people are out there listening. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. I get this flight instinct. I get stomach pains. I get dry mouth. But once I start talking, you will probably not notice it. Yes. But I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Love talking with people, hate talking in front of people. And I do it all the time. <laughs> Yeah, it's so much in your, in your job description, basically. Yes, yes. now it is. <laughs> so it's getting better, but I still get so nervous. So that's also good to know people, even if it, you would never think of it when you see me speak, it still happens. So I think that some people think that if you uh, should be presenting or selling or doing things like that, you shouldn't have, have those doubts or fears, but you do, but you just don't you just ignore them mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it takes practice essentially and yeah. i don't think humans are supposed to be talking in front of uh, more than 20 people essentially <laughs> <laughs> and i guess also uh, at least here in sweden we never practice speaking public speaking like in the us you you practice it a lot yeah. but of course you get better if you practice i mean if you repeat things and you in you practice yeah. you get better mm -hmm. Surprisingly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if one puts the time in, one gets better. Yeah. <laughs> um, essentially, that is it. Um, I forgot to ask how much the, the, the road costs in industry to build it in. Yeah, I mean, our target price is that um, 1 million euro per kilometer both ways. Okay. So it's dead cheap. It's that cheap. <laughs> should get one myself <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at what the fast chargers costs it's not so expensive so but of course it's not the road itself our technology that will be the only cost of installing electrical roads along highway it will be all the uh, construction work and building a grid and yeah. it's so much more than just the technology yeah okay perfect thank you very much thank you Hey, thanks again so much for listening to Deep Tech Stories. If you really like this episode and you want to support the show, the easiest way to do so is to hit the subscribe button on wherever you're listening to your podcast or maybe share it with a friend. Either way, whatever you do, it really helps me out and I appreciate it a lot. Otherwise, we'll hear each other again in two weeks with Martin Hallstedt on how he turned his research into a startup that makes kids finally like maths again.